Mothers deserve the absolute best. So this Mother's Day, spoil the moms in your life with little luxuries from Osea. Osea's skin and body care is the perfect way to remind all the moms, mother figures, caregivers, grandmothers, and mother-in-laws in your life to make time for themselves. If you have been looking for the perfect gift, I recommend Osea's Andaria Algae Body Oil. I've been using it for years and it seems like every single time I apply it, I get compliments on my skin. This body oil is rich, but it's never greasy and it's clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity. Your skin will feel more sculpted and toned and you'll be left feeling silky, soft and glowing. Another favorite of mine is the Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. Ever since I've been using collagen, I have noticed a difference in my skin. In fact, it's never been better. Using Osea's body oil and lotion together is a mega moisture duo, giving you a full body glow. Osea's products are infused with our signature Andaria seaweed, but it's also clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified. Really just a perfect gift for yourself, the moms in your life, and even the planet. Spoil the moms in your life with clean, vegan skin and body care from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with the code YOGA at OseaMalibu.com. You'll get free samples with every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Head to OseaMalibu.com and use the code YOGA for 10% off. If yoga has taught me anything, it's that my body craves movement. So when I spend hours sitting at a desk working, it's no surprise that I become stiff, sore, and unhappy. I need creative ways to bring more movement into my life off the yoga mat and especially in the office. Well, Fully has done just that. With Fully's iconic office pieces and accessories like the Jarvis standing desk, Capisco chair, and Topo mat, you can flow your way to freedom even in the workplace. Fully gets that it's not about standing, it's about movement. So keeping your body in the same position for hours at work can negatively impact your health. But Fully's desks and chairs relieve these static loads on your joints and your ligaments. Their pieces automatically make you contract your core muscles for a healthier, more natural posture. And improved circulation will keep you engaged at work, increase your productivity, and give you added energy at the end of the day. Fully wants to make an active work life available to as many people as possible, so their pieces are always affordable. Their super cool designs give you the perfect mix of modern arrangement and movement capability. I'm in love with a bamboo standing desk, and even my podcast production team at Cadence 13 has been using Fully's pieces. From design to shipping to service after your purchase, Fully is there for you every step of the way. Now I'm flowing through life on the yoga mat and in the office, and you can too. Get your body moving in your workspace. Go to Fully.com slash yoga girl. That's F-U-L-L-Y dot com slash yoga girl. Fully, desks, chairs, and things to keep you moving. Hi, and welcome to From the Heart Conversations with Yoga Girl. I am talking to you right now from beautiful Costa del Sol, España. I am in south of Spain right now. I'm just... Uh, I wish I wish I could kind of paint you a word picture of the view I'm looking at right now. So I'm overlooking the valley of a really beautiful part of Spain called Nueva Andalucía, which is uh, just 20 minutes outside of Marbella, close to Malaga. So the very, very south of Spain. I'm overlooking the valley. There's a beautiful mountain over to my left, the Mediterranean Sea. It's just beautiful, dark blue right in front of me. The sun is setting. It's just... It's just so beautiful. And if I get really quiet, I think you might be able to hear birds in the background. (laughs) I don't know if you can hear that. There's just, it's like a symphony of birds outside my window. And 
I can't believe I'm here. I I literally almost cannot believe that I'm here. Um, If you have been listening to this podcast, you know that I have been dreading this trip. (laughs) Uh, I've never, you know, never traveled with a one-year-old, with a toddler before. And the last travels that we had with a baby, she was a baby. She was six months old. So it's been, or maybe less. Yeah, she was six months old. It was seven months ago. So very, very different child. Uh, And that last trip we had was awful. And when I say awful, I mean awful, awful. If you don't believe me, there's a podcast episode called The Flight from Hell. Um, and anytime you ever hear a parent say, oh, I, we had the worst flight, you can go, mm, you know what? Yoga Girl had a worst flight. You should listen to that podcast episode because um, I have yet to meet a person to top this story. It was just literally the absolute worst. So I've been, I'm a little bit traumatized and a little bit terrified of, of traveling since then. And that's why we decided to just cut down on it completely and not be so crazy. And we haven't traveled for seven whole months, which is a really long time. It's the longest time I've been in one place since, I don't know, since I was like 18 or 19, maybe in a decade. It's, it's pretty wild that we've been in one place for so long. But it's also pretty amazing <laughs> to to be in one place and to set roots, at least coming from someone like me, who's just, I spent the bigger bigger part of my life traveling the world and going from place to place and kind of exploring different countries and changing relationships and making new friends. And it's been a little whirlwind of a, of a, of a decade that I've had. So being just in one spot for me has been really, really healing thing. And now, you know, taking this, this trip, we're going to be in Europe now for two and a half months, almost three months. So it's a really big trip. Uh, and we're beginning here in south of Spain for something I can finally reveal because this I'm recording this, it's Wednesday, and this podcast, as usual, will be out on a Friday. And tomorrow, Thursday, my best friend in the whole world, Olivia, her bachelorette begins here in Marbella tomorrow. Uh, and we've been planning this for, for a really, really long time. You know, me, I'm, I'm uh, her maid of honor and all of her bridesmaids, and we've planned this uh, this kind of crazy trip. It's kind of sort of crazy to go to Spain for a bachelorette. We are realizing now it was a really grand, super fun idea um, to come here because the wedding is taking place in France. So a lot of people have flown into South of Europe anyway to be here for the wedding, which is just in, in two weeks. And Daniela and Olivia and me, so so two of my oldest friends, we used to go to Marbella, to Spain uh, all the time when we were when we were really young, when we were young teenagers, because my dad uh, lives here half of the year. He's still, he's here right now. He lives here about six months out of the year. So we would go visit him anytime we could. And we would do all sorts of insane things like um, get wasted drunk (laughs) with people we didn't know. And, you know, dance on the bar and just be all, you know, around like crazy the way 15 and 16 year olds are. So coming back now as mothers and as adults and experiencing what's pretty much like not a lot has changed. Okay, so, you know, some things of course have changed, but I was just down in, in this like kind of harbor area where we used to party all the time and it looks the same. <laughs> it's like a very weird, it's like I'm in a time warp. I'm walking there with my stroller and I'm like, oh my God, I think I was <laughs> in like a mini skirt on that bar, like with someone pouring tequila down my throat at one point. <laughs> like I had some really, you know, intense party weeks here when I was, when I was young. We would go here every single summer, every holiday, sometimes long weekends. So we have a lot of memories here. And coming back for her bachelorette is just a really fun idea. And she has no clue. I hope she has no clue. 
I don't know. I mean, maybe she's she's outsmarted us, but we've left little hints for other things, and we've made her do some like really silly challenges. And um, yeah, we'll we'll we'll, we'll see what happens. But tomorrow, uh, we're going to be twelve girls that are going to do the bachelorette here for over over four days. And tomorrow, a uh, big group of the girls fly in. And we've rented a little house here and I'm going to be away from the baby for three days or for four days for this bachelorette. And we have all sorts of fun things planned. Like we have a spa day and we're going to go out on a boat and eat paella and, and hike a mountain and do all these fun Spanish things, which is, which is really, really exciting. So that's actually why we are in Spain right now. A lot of people have asked, you know, how come you're in Spain? Are you on vacation? So yeah, it's like a, it's a semi-vacation, but mostly we have chosen to be here because of the bachelorette. And my dad is here, which is very interesting. Whenever I, in social media, I show pictures of his kids, of my my sister and my brother, people get really confused because my dad is, he's going to turn 54 this year and he has uh, a girl, little girl who is almost 15 months and he has a boy that's turning three soon. So yeah, he basically has a, a, a girl the same age as Leah Luna, who I can hear in the monitor right now. Okay, I'm alone in this house. <laughs> maybe you couldn't hear the bird song but I'm pretty sure you can hear this monitor um, I'm alone in this house right now we've we've rented a little house here really close by close to my dad and I sort of kicked Dennis out of the house to go get some food so I could record the podcast but I'm alone with the baby so if the baby cries you know exactly who it is um, speaking of baby okay this is this is like you know we we I think I feel like we need to talk about this people never told me anything about traveling with with children. Like when people, you know, before I was pregnant, before I entered, you know, parenthood and motherhood and this whole new face in life, uh, I, I never not once considered traveling with a child or with a baby as like a challenge. It wasn't part of my, my list of challenges that I thought I would have to overcome or learn about. Um, you know, like, of course, you know, I, I knew giving birth would be really hard and I didn't know if breastfeeding would be challenging or not because I have some friends who, you know, it came really easy to them and some friends who really struggled. And then I immediately went into like, okay, well, you'd, you'd be worried if something would happen to your baby. And then I was thinking about things like bullying. What do you do, you know, when they're in school, if someone is mean to them and how do you handle that sort of stuff? Like I've had these kind of thoughts in my head of like, okay, what will be my challenges as a mom and, you know, hard moments. Uh, but traveling just was not on that list <laughs> at all. And I, I, I think I've figured out why. Um, <laughs> okay, parents out there, correct me if I'm wrong, but... The horror of traveling with a child is just so immense that I would never talk about this with like a person who doesn't have a kid because it would fully deter them from ever wanting to have children. I don't know. I feel like, like, like to me, traveling with her, and I, I'm not even joking. It's, it, it's, it's hard. It was, it's harder than giving birth. <laughs> I swear to God, traveling with her is harder than giving birth. And it's just, it's so frustratingly stressful and and and, and painfully difficult that I don't really want to talk about it with anybody. I just, I just want to like package it away and put it, like put a little label on it that says, you know, things we've been through that we don't talk about <laughs> and put it in a box and then not look at it again until, you know, inevitably we have our next trip because this shit is fucking horrifying. Oh my God. And I, I sort of wish I had a little bit of heads up from, from people um, when I've asked other people, you know, what's, what is it like to travel with a baby? In the beginning, she was really little. And they said, oh, you know, we had, we had our, our first trip. She was two months, two and a half months. We flew Aruba to Sweden, which is a really big trip. It's like a 20-something hour 
trip as a whole. And people just said, oh, you know, she's so tiny and oh, it's going to be really, really easy. You know, she just wants to sleep and eat and nothing else. So, you know, you'll maybe have like a poop explosion will be the worst thing that happens and you just clean the baby up, you know, because of pressure or whatever. So we were all excited for this trip and we're going to have this baby because she's she never really cried. She's been a very happy baby all along. So we just thought, okay, we have this little bassinet and the plane is dark and, you know, there's this kind of white noise created by planes and I feel like it's for some people, at least, it's easy to sleep on planes. Like whenever the plane takes off, my husband passes out and he can literally sleep. Like he can fall asleep <laughs> as we depart, as the plane lifts off the ground and then he'll wake up as we touch the ground again. And it doesn't really matter how many hours are in between. If it's a 10-hour flight, like the flight we take Aruba to Amsterdam, or if it's a two-hour flight going to Florida or something, he just sleeps. Me, on the other hand, I cannot sleep on a plane, like no matter what, really, really, really. Even in the best of circumstances like say I'm traveling business class and I can lie all the way down flat like a bed and I have like a sleep mask and I have lavender oil with me and I have like little herbal supplements that I take to help relax and to um, to help you sleep and maybe I have a glass of wine and you know I do everything I can to wind down and I have a little pillow you know it's like those perfect circumstances that you know very rarely happens when you travel but say even on those moments because I have had those moments where everything is just perfect for sleep I still cannot go to sleep I just I just I just can't maybe I'll like doze off for 30 minutes or something but I'm just not a sleeper Um, same for like trains or you know boats or traveling by car or bus like I just I I can't sleep anywhere I'm not one of those easy sleep people but I was thinking because the baby is a baby that would be really easy for her and everybody told us oh you're so lucky you're traveling at this age because it's the best age to travel so we were very optimistic boarded our plane with our tiny little baby with like, we had eight or nine, you know, spare uh, outfits for her in case we would have like a poop thing happen, whatever. We board the plane and she literally went berserk. <laughs> like she lost her goddamn mind immediately. <laughs> it was like we boarded this plane and she like looked around sort of like she, you know, she could barely hold her head, but head up. She was tiny. And she was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> like a metal tube going in the air, you know, like the moment we boarded the plane, she just objected and started crying. And she cried pretty much the whole trip. We could not get her to fall asleep. She would barely eat. She wouldn't calm down. It was like just the mere idea of being on a plane or being trapped in the space just made her totally nuts. It was, it was awful. And of course, the more she cried and I was in the beginning really nervous about other people on the plane and disturbing them and all this stuff. And then I think 45 minutes in, I was like, fuck all of you guys. (laughs) If you don't have a screaming baby in your arms, you're good. Like anyone who looks down or gives like a stink eye to a parent with a crying baby or a, you know, challenging moment with a baby on a plane, you, there's like a special place in hell for each of those people. I swear to God. And I had a few of those, like, you know, on those first flights that we ever had where someone would look at me and kind of roll their eyes and like, oh my God, can you shut your baby up? You know, no one said it to me like directly, but I could just kind of tell it's like, yeah, because you're boarding a plane, you want to sleep at night and there's a crying baby. Of course, it's not fun for anyone, but if it's hard for you to relax because someone else has a crying baby on the plane, can you just put yourself in the shoes of the parent? I mean, (sighs) the stress is like, just talking about this now, I can kind of feel like, oh, my body, like I feel like icky, like, oh, I don't even want to think about it because it's so awful. So anyway, after that first fight, we made it to Sweden. We had a lot of months in Sweden, I think three months in Sweden. And then we were traveling back. We went like back and forth, I think four times uh, or four of those long hauls we had. And each time, because you got a little older, people will tell us, okay, well, 
the next one will be even easier because then she was like four months and the next one was even more awful and then they said well the next one will be easier because you know and then she's six months and at six months you know she kind of gets more things and you can kind of communicate with her a little bit easier I tell you I mean I'm not even kidding you each flight we've had with this little angel has been worse than the one before that's just what it is she's been on 18 flights <laughs> no 19 with this one 19 flights they have all been hell <laughs> they have all been so fucked up i can't even tell you and one of them which was um, the second to last big haul across the atlantic included major diarrhea poop explosions from both her and the dog um, ringo so if you haven't heard that podcast episode feel free to click pause right now and just venture back to the flight from hell um, <laughs> people it's the highest rated podcast i have <laughs> which i think is just so hilarious because so many of, <laughs> of my podcast episodes you know i talk about deep stuff and i talk about you know overcoming adversity or spirituality or making peace with with the past or self love like i have these big <laughs> serious topics and then i have this one podcast <laughs> that's just about poop and everybody loves it <laughs> it's the highest rated podcast highest downloaded podcast of all the podcasts <laughs> and i think because it's it's freaking hilarious like now you know i can tell this story and just laugh a lot no i couldn't tell this story and laugh now because now i'm traumatized by this last flight we had but normally i can tell that story and laugh because it's 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 like too ridiculous to even be true. But yeah, it's all true. Um, so anyway, so we didn't fly. We had all those horrible flights. We didn't fly with her, travel with her anywhere for seven months. We even had a little trip. Dennis went to do an Ironman um, two weeks ago. And it's just a two-hour flight to Florida. And it would have been really nice just to go there and kind of, um, you know, like root on Dennis for this for this race. And, you know, we could have had like a little mini vacation. But just the idea of putting her on a plane for two hours, I was like, nothing is, it's just not worth it. Like, let's just, we'll stay home. We'll prepare for this big flight we have going to Spain. And now people told us, okay, well, now she's 13 months. So it's like a different challenge. Like, she's not going to cry all night like she did when she was a tiny little baby but you know she's never still so she's going to want to run up and down the plane and you're going to kind of have to chase her and all this stuff but just entertain her like you know bring an ipad and stock it up with a bunch of stuff and bring new toys that she hasn't seen before and bring this and snacks and blah blah, blah. like we got so much advice and i managed to book a seat that had extra leg space because i really i have wasn't able to figure out like they give you a bassinet like a little, you know, bassinet thing for a baby, but it's only up until six months or something or 10 kilos or, or whatever. Um, and then after that, you're still like, you, you, you're you not required to have a seat for the baby until the baby's two. So there's that like one year gap where your baby doesn't have his or her own seat, but also cannot lie in the bassinet. So it's like, where the hell does baby, where the hell does the baby sleep? I just, I couldn't figure it out. Like, am I going to hold her for 10 hours and just and just hope that that works out. Like, what the hell am I going to do? I just, I didn't know. People were telling me like, oh, you could bring like a car seat and, and buy an extra seat on the plane. And I'm like, okay, we can't afford that. Like, that's insane. I'm dreading just her turning two. How are we going to afford to fly anywhere? Just a third seat. It's it's crazy. And people with more kids, like how, how do you afford to travel? Like that shit is insane. So no, I'm already like dreading that. Like, no, we can't afford that. But you know, so I decided, okay, I'm going to make like a little tent area for her on the floor in the corner. So I brought a bunch of extra blankets. I brought a roll of duct tape, <laughs> like a crazy person. Then as was scared, we, we were going to be stopped in customs because he's like, duct tape is like what you use to like, as like a terrorist to like take over the plane. I'm like, what am I going to do with, what do they think I'm going to do with duct tape? Like, it's like, use it as weapon. Like, no. Anyway, no one stopped me. I brought duct tape and 
<laughs> and I kind of had this idea because she's such a good sleeper now. She sleeps 12 or 13 hours on the clock, same shit every day. She sleeps seven to seven, pretty much like seven to seven or seven to seven thirty. sometimes, you know, like that's her time and she sleeps the whole night through. So I thought, okay, well, because the plane was at a perfect time, it was departing around six. So I thought, okay, well, we'll get on the plane. We'll make it this cozy area. We'll do our whole sleep routine where she eats her oatmeal and then we put on our PJs and then we sing and we read and then we, you know, she should get tired and then we bounce her a little bit and then we put her to bed. Yeah, that <laughs> just did not happen even a tiny little bit like there was like a moment where we thought okay maybe this is going to work out where she got really tired and you could kind of tell but the same thing happened as as when she was really tiny it's like we bore the plane and she looked around and then she looked at me like what the hell kind of bullshit is this <laughs> I did not sign up for this like what is this where am I like where's outside like she, she just does not want to be on the plane and we stopped briefly in Bonaire to like refuel or something and they opened the doors. She literally like kept running up to the door and tried to claw her way out to freedom. Like she just saw like the sky outside. She just wanted to leave the whole time. She's like, no, she hates it. She hates it so much. And then she fell asleep like briefly right after dinner, like briefly. And then I thought, okay, well, wait, maybe she'll like sleep for the night now. And then we'll have like a whole night and then I can maybe try to get some sleep and, and all this stuff. And we managed to put her like in this little like area on the floor that we, that we made. The thing is, like, I don't know who's in charge of building these planes. And I understand <laughs> probably like 90% of, of plane, you know, architecture or plane design is safety and all that bullshit. I get that. But did no one ever consider the fact that there's like babies that are going to want to sleep on the plane? Why are there fluorescent lights like in your face the whole time. Like, why isn't there an option where you can kind of section off the bright, like horrible lighting and just choose like, okay, hey, I have a 13 month old that just fell asleep. I don't want to have like a flashlight in her face <laughs> so that if she wakes up a little bit, she goes like, what the hell? Why is it so bright? What's all this stuff? You know, like, I feel like there should be a, an easy fix there. I don't know. I want to invent like a little device where you can just kind of block your own seating area in like a little tent. You know, there must be like, there must be some smart, like engineer person. Oh, here she is. Oh, baby. Okay, I will be um, right back. You are listening to From the Heart, Conversations with Yoga Girl. So much of my life is spent looking at a screen. In days work, I answer emails on my computer and post to social media on my phone. And then in the evening, I sometimes wind down with my husband with a glass of wine and Netflix on the TV. Well, if you spend hours in front of a screen like me, I'm sure you know it can get exhausting. Even if you've never heard of digital eye strain, chances are you have experienced the effects. Heavy eyes, blurred vision, and frequent headaches. So to protect your eyes in this technology-driven world, there's Felix Grey Computer Glasses. Felix Grey glasses are the stylish way to protect your eyes, whether you're at work or play. They filter blue light and eliminate glare from screens, which are the two main culprits behind digital eye strain. This blue light filtering technology is embedded into the lens, so they're effective without the telltale yellow tint or color distortion of other glasses. Felix Grey's frames are super stylish. I love the Turing horn colored frames, and Dennis looks so good in the Jameson glasses in Whiskey. Everyone can benefit from wearing a pair of Felix Grey's. And to top it off, there's no prescription necessary, and all orders include free shipping and returns, so you have nothing to lose except blue light and glare. Try them out for yourself. Go to Felix Grey 
felixgrayglasses.com slash yoga girl to try a pair of Felix Gray glasses today. That's felixgrayglasses.com slash yoga girl. felixgrayglasses.com slash yoga girl. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Okay, so there must be some sort of like smart engineer person out there who can just invent a plain tent for families traveling with young children. You know, like even just like a little tent for just one seat or for like a little corner on the floor that you can just kind of zip up somehow. I know anybody listening, like I would love to like support this idea if you make it happen. Like I'll, I'll you know, free marketing through social media if you invent this thing for me. I swear, like I like my mom was like, you should bring like a cardboard box <laughs> so that when she falls asleep on the floor, you can like cover her face with it, but she can still breathe. So it's not like a blanket in her face so that, you know, when the lights are on and all that stuff, like it stays dark for her. And I was like, okay, that sounds insane. I'm going to travel with like a giant cardboard box. And then I was on that plane and she's lying there on the floor, but the lights are so bright and she doesn't sleep well in like daytime lighting and, and all this stuff. And these lights are just insane. And I was just staring at her. I'm like, oh my God, like she's just going to like, the moment she just flutters her eyes a little bit, like it's over. And yeah, of course, that's that's exactly what happened. And she woke up, but then she was like one sleep cycle into a night sleep. So she didn't wake up like, oh, hey, what's up, you guys? She woke up like screaming, like she was dying, like screaming, torture, and was so sad and so tired and, you know, overtired like by then because it's already like two hours past her normal bedtime. And that moment was like the beginning of, we had nine hours to go <laughs> on this flight and she didn't mellow out once. Like nine, we had nine, yeah, nine hours left and she basically went between um, crying, just completely crying. Um, like she was like in full on despair. Like she was so oh, distraught, like of the whole situation. Her eyes were red, she's rubbing her eyes. She's just like trying to sleep, trying to sleep. She couldn't put herself to sleep. So she went over that like hump of just tiredness where, you know, they become so tired that it's impossible for them to drop into sleep. And she spent the entire night like awake, crying, sad, um, you know, and then she got really hyper and like <laughs> in the middle of the night, like four in the morning, she just like stood up and just started clapping her hands and looked around the cabin and like laughing, you know, like hysterical laughing. And it wasn't funny. It was just so fucking sad. Like it was just horrible and awful. And at one point, Dennis was like, okay, I'm going to just strap her in like to my seatbelt and just like, she's crying anyway, just like hold her down and let her cry until she just surrenders because this shit is not working. So he did that. And that was horrible, horrible, horrible. And like, I saw people like in the cabin kind of look around and like, you know, what are we doing to this poor baby? Like, ugh. but then finally she like, 
she just gave up, I guess. Um, and then, but she still didn't fall asleep. She just kind of laid on his lap, like holding her little lovey, um, just staring out into nothing. <laughs> I mean, it was so fucking horrible. And then, of course, like 30 minutes before we're about to land, yeah, she falls asleep. <laughs> And then, you know, by then it's like, she's been up for forever and it's just, everything is forked and, and no, 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 it was just, it was so intense and so bad. Everything was just, everything was horrible. And then we get to Amsterdam and yeah, again, it was just, yeah, it just went from bad to worse to a little bit worse. And then we had five hours in Amsterdam and then we had another three hour flight to get to Spain and then an hour drive to get to where we were going. So it was just like, we we were kind of not, I mean, we were like two thirds of the way, but we still had a really long way to go. So by the time we arrived and we actually made it to the house, like both Dennis and I were like shaking, you know, it's like, it's like our nerves are just completely shot. Like, you know, no matter what you do, like you just can't relax. Does anybody have that feeling of just, you're so wired and tired and I'd been up for, I don't know, I don't even know, like 30 something crazy hours. Um, and it's not just being awake. Like if I was alone on a flight and I was just awake and couldn't sleep, that that would be different, but just awake with this like high strung tension and stress. And then my heart is breaking for her because I know she's like, she's, she's suffering, you know, she just wants to sleep, but she can't. So she's suffering. And it's just, you know, I can't explain to her like, honey, I'm sorry, we're traveling. Like she doesn't understand. Like we're going to see grandpa and grandma and Olivia and Patrick and Hunter and like, you know, our family and friends, like there's a point in this or there was like turbulence at one point and like she had to be in the seat, but she's kicking and screaming. And like, I can't explain to her, like she doesn't understand, like there's turbulence. We have to sit down. So I'm really longing for her to be like, I don't know, like a year or two older, I don't know how, how old are children when they understand that sort of stuff. I'm thinking like three at least, probably not a year from now, maybe two years from now, where I can, you know, sensibly explain things to her, hopefully. <laughs> I'm kind of longing for that time, but I just decided like, until then, like, we're not fucking going anywhere. Like, I, I, I kid you not, like, it's not worth it. Like, it's just, it's not worth it. No matter the trip, no matter the destination or like the amazing adventure or whatever, Uh, occasion that awaits us like those 24 hours of getting here of just complete madness and anxiety it's not worth it it's not it's just it's absolutely not there was one point during the flight where just me and Dennis are just like looking at each other like oh my god it's everything we we like hoped it wouldn't be and worse like it was so horrible and then he looked at me he's like are you thinking what I'm thinking and I was thinking like we never travel again I was like yeah I'm thinking what you're thinking he's like okay so vasectomy (laughs) (laughs) meaning like no other babies like this this is it it ends here (laughs) no more I was like you know and I was just kind of like yeah I mean I would I would be fine with that I don't think we're gonna do this again the thought of doing this with two (laughs) with two children imagine having that like two month old like that tiny baby and then a toddler like oh my god my mind just fucking explodes and this is the thing though like, I feel like people get recognized for amazing feats all the time. Like if you, you know, you, you do something amazing, like, you know, people win the Nobel Prize for different reasons and people climb Mount Everest or like, like Dennis, he runs like an Ironman for whatever. And, you know, people get like a lot of praise and applause and are seen in society as these like amazing people for, for overcoming things or for accomplishing things. Who, like, why is there no award for mothers and fathers on red eye flights with toddlers like I feel like like I I, seriously for people that do this and that do this more than once and that do this and and don't have a complete fucking meltdown like I fully understand 
if I wasn't, you know, I do a lot of yoga, I meditate, I work on myself, I'm t- super into personal development, like I'm, I live with my own shit, like I'm very aware of my faults and, you know, I do a lot of work and I like to believe that I'm a fairly conscious person, you know, and I, I could just imagine like if I, if I was in a bad place in my life, like if I was just, if shit was going down or I was about to lose my job or if I was sick or whatever, like if I just wasn't in a good place, there is no fucking way I could manage a flight like that. Like it's just, it's just not possible. I completely understand like parents who just snap, like who, who fully, fully snap. And I remember like when I, before, before motherhood, I had a few moments where I saw, um, I saw, I saw a parent do something that I thought was completely like inappropriate. You know, like I saw a mom, a mother once like snap at her child and like just lost it and kind of like yelled at her baby in the grocery store. And I was like, I remember telling whoever I was with like, Oh my God, did you see that mother like abuse her child? Like, Oh, she was, she snapped at her baby. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I fully, okay. Of course that's horrible. I'm not saying you should go snap at your kids, but it's completely understandable. Like, you don't know what everybody else is going through. Like no one knows the battles that everybody else fights. So of course, you know, I could in my like 21 year old self be like, oh my God, when I'm a mom, I'm going to be peaceful all the time and I'm going to communicate with my child and I'm not going to say no, I'm not going to snap. There is a limit (laughs) to what a human being can manage. I I mean, I, I, I kid you not. I have full understanding, full support for every single parent out there. We're all just trying our fucking best. I swear. <laughs> and when I had, I had asked through through social media for some advice from other parents, like, what do I do for this long flight with a toddler who's really active? A bunch of people wrote me like Benadryl, <laughs> melatonin, you know, like, like over there's over the counter medication you can give your baby <laughs> for them to mellow out. And before the flight, I was like, Dennis, like people are telling me to, to drug the baby. He was like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, like Benadryl. It's like, I mean, it's allergy medication, but it makes you all like, like drowsy and like tired and stuff. He's like, what? That sounds kind of insane. Dude, if I would have had like some Benadryl mid-flight, oh my God. <laughs> it's kind of like before giving birth, how, how, how I, I was like, you know, oh no, no, no. I would never want an epidural. I would never want medication. I want it to be all natural and all Zen. And I'm going to meditate my baby out. And then, you know, our like, 22. I'm like, where is the fucking epidural? (laughs) Someone give me a C-section. Someone cut this baby out. I don't want to do it anymore. Like, you know, like there's, (laughs) you, you don't know what lengths you'll go to just for peace, right? Or for like a moment of relief until you're in like that, until you're in that eye of the storm. Like that's just what it is. It's really easy to be holier than thou and to have all these ideas and judgments toward other parents and kind of, I'm going to do it this way because this is the better way and the right way. La, la, la. No, you know what? Like sometimes, especially as parents, we're just trying to fucking survive the moment. And I don't know, I'm so, I'm so humbled by this. I think that's just kind of the consensus of all of this. I'm so humbled by parenthood and by I'm I'm humbled by the fact that people do this every day and aren't there's like I don't know I f- I feel like and I, and I also understand now why another thing I said before having the baby is like well I don't want to be one of those parents that like you lose touch with the friends you had before who don't have babies you know we really have to stay like work really hard to stay as close as we were with our friends before and the friends that don't have kids and of course we're gonna it's all gonna be the same 
like when you fight these types of battles and and this is just the reality of what your life is, it's really hard to connect like to other levels of of problems. I don't know. And I feel kind of like a bitch saying this. All of my friends listening, like, it's not like I don't care about your problems if you don't have babies. It's just when I'm in that moment of like being really tired because she's not sleeping or she's sick or I'm worried or, you know, shit is going down or I'm like in a trip like this or whatever. And then I'll have like a single friend who's like, oh, you know, that guy didn't call me back. And I'm like, oh, like, tell me about your life problems. Like, please, please, please tell me about how hard it is that that cute guy you met at the coffee place hasn't called you in one day. Like, let me tell you the story of how I flew to Spain. <laughs> but of course, it's completely impossible to have that conversation. And you can't diminish someone else's problems just because, you know. But I'm realizing now, like, there is a reason why people with kids gravitate <laughs> friendship-wise toward other people with kids. Because it's just a whole different perspective. It's just, yeah. And and people said, like, oh, I, I wish I didn't take for granted what life was before children, all of that. I don't feel that way. Like, I feel like I did a pretty good job, you know, enjoying life and all of this. And and the weird thing is like, no matter how hard the hard moments are, like, like it's, it, I can't even say like, oh, it's all worth it. Like it's, it's worth it times like a billion. Like, you know, I wouldn't trade it. I wouldn't even trade it for anything. That's the thing. Like, I love her so fucking much. She gives me so much joy and purpose and meaning, you know, like I wouldn't, have it any other way there's just i cannot imagine my life without her and that's also a concept that's really hard to explain to explain i don't know it's just and i i tried to have this explained to me before leah luna was born and i just couldn't get it and now it's like hey i can actually go through these things like i can do hard things i can record a podcast with baby crying in the background oh she's so jet lagged i will be right back again you are listening to from the heart conversations with yoga girl i love reading my bookshelf is filled with amazing titles from all my favorite authors the only problem is that i need time to physically sit down with a book and read it with businesses a baby girl and a household to run time is not always on my side well thanks to audible my favorite reads are available for me to listen to hands and eyes free it's the perfect way to multitask Audible is a leading provider of premium spoken information and entertainment on the internet. In fact, Audible has the largest selection of audiobooks on the planet, which is perfect for my daily routine in Aruba. Whether I'm going for a run with my husband, sunbathing on the beach, playing with my baby girl, or just enjoying some downtime in the backyard, listening to my favorite books has never been easier. Well, you can do it too. Sign up as an Audible listener for a low monthly fee. Audible members get a credit every month for a free audiobook in the store regardless of price. And unused credit rolls over to the next month. With Audible, you can keep your books and re-listen anytime, even if you cancel your membership. Browse and binge more books by seamlessly switching between devices, picking up exactly where you left off, whether you're on your phone, iPod, tablet in your car, or at home. Get through a ton of books while doing almost anything. From titles in business, classics, fiction, history, mysteries, sci-fi, self-development, kids categories, and much more, you can use Audible for any and all purposes, whether it's personal, informational, or educational. I was absolutely thrilled to find some of my all-time favorites, like Glennon Doyle's Love Warrior, Elizabeth Gilbert's Big Magic, and even the original Be Here Now Talks by Ram Dass. Claim the free audiobook waiting for you right now through a unique link exclusive to From the Heart listeners. Go to audible.com slash yoga girl and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title for free and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audible, A-U-D-I-B-L-E.com slash yoga girl or text yoga girl to 500-500 to get started today. 
we can do hard things. I mean, I would do this over and over again and again. I will do this over and over again and again. And that's just, that's how great the love is. So it's just, yeah, it's it's kind of mind blowing to me that this is just, this is just what parenthood is. And I, I, I don't know if we should speak more about it or less about it because I don't want anyone out there who don't have children yet to feel like, oh my God, I could never do that. <laughs> So yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of wild. But when we finally arrived, like, you know, we had a challenging time settling in and in the end I ended up sleeping with the baby in bed, which we haven't done in a really long time because she loves her space and she always, she loves to sleep in her own room. And she slept on top of me for like 14 hours. We had the longest, the best night's sleep ever. And then it was, it was noon, we woke up and it took the whole next day of being here, you know, we went to get groceries and kind of like oriented ourselves a little bit. There's a beautiful house here that we're renting and we saw my, my dad and family and stuff. And also interesting, which is like super weird because I had uh, the last two podcasts that I've recorded have both been about pain uh, with very different outcomes. The first one or two weeks ago was about uh, that I'm kind of surrendering to this idea that I have a lot of upper back and neck pain and I'm going to let it be and let it be here. And then podcast last week was me like, enough is enough. I'm not going to live this way. It, it is what it is, but it shouldn't be this way. <laughs> so I kind of, you know, took matters into my own hands, which I should have done a really long time ago and decided it's not normal for me to have this sort of back pain uh, again and again. And actually through that, I got a lot of clarity. So Laura Hyman, who was my guest on last week's show, she figured out that I actually had something totally out of alignment uh, in my thoracic spine, my upper mid back. And she did kind of a major, very soft, but a major adjustment of my, of my spine T1 and T2. And since then I've felt remarkably different and I'm kind of, I don't know, I'm, I'm almost like, oh my God, what if all this pain came from this one accident I had eight years ago and something has been out of whack for that long? Like, is that possible? And that's why this pain comes again and again and again. So I'm kind of like, oh, maybe maybe that was that. But then also I booked, I have a, this amazing napropath. I don't know if, if you're in the US, you don't know what napropath, it's like the school of napropathy. It's not naturopath, that's something different, but a napropath. Um it's, it's like functional movement um, combined with like little bits of, of like acupuncture and, and Cairo. And it's, it's like a very, I, I, I don't know, I, I should have my napropath Jonas on the show actually to talk a little bit more about this. But I decided that he's going to come to Spain and I'm going to spend eight days with him here and he's going to like overhaul basically my, my body. Like I just, you know, that's what I decided. And I decided that in the midst of pain, this was a very crazy decision because we're here for this kind of vacation and with the baby and Dennis and I, and then I'm inviting this, this guy to come for an intensive like boot camp um, to heal me, right? Or to help support my healing and my, my movement and my alignment. Um, and then I forgot about that. So then he's here and he's like, hey, okay, we have the first session, this and that time. And I was like, oh my God, okay. And it's six hours a day. <laughs> Can we just stop and digest that? I have for eight days straight, six hours a day, <laughs> I'm working with him. Meaning that we're like training, it's training and it's movement and it's stretches and it's uh, also like adjustments and um, like myofascial work and massage. It's like all of this stuff combined into one um, for six hours a day. Like how crazy am I to say that? Like, yeah, that'll be no problem with a baby and a husband <laughs> and a life and a business. Um, so we had like our first session and it was three hours and I just, I felt so good after that. And I took a shower, I put on a dress and randomly, because it was Dennis's birthday today, we landed and the next day was my dad's uh, girlfriend's birthday. 
So they had a really, uh, like really long, since long a reservation at this beautiful restaurant here. It's a two star restaurant. They have two Michelin stars. And uh, I've never been to a restaurant with two stars that, that I, I don't think so anyway. And uh, they just asked, oh, do you want to come? Like we could book two more seats because they had some available. And we were like, okay, like totally random. Uh, and we decided to go. And then I had, I had maybe 15 minutes or 30 minutes to myself where I was like on the balcony and I sat down and the sun was setting and I took a breath, you know, after this whole trip and then after all these weeks of pain, like that's also very intense to wake up every morning and then all day be in pain and then go to bed and be in pain and then have that again and again. Almost two months I've had in pain. And these past couple of days have actually been the first days where I haven't felt that way, where I felt freer in my body and I felt kind of, you know, here. Um, you know, so I sat down and I'm looking at, at this view, the same view that I'm looking at right now. And I've been here for a whole day and I hadn't really like digested that. Wait, like, look at this place. Like, look, look at this valley. Like, look at these, you know, everywhere there's flowers, like right outside our door, there's a lime tree, an orange tree and a, and a lemon tree, like just bursting with fruit. And, you know, we're in, we're in Spain, like, wait. And I just, you know, I was on this, the couch looking out at the sea and I took a breath. And then as I exhale, I could almost feel how my soul like dropped back into my body. <laughs> Little angel baby. I would apologize for this, but I'm not gonna because this is what it is. I will be right back. You are listening to From the Heart, Conversations with Yoga Girl. The first thing I do every morning before my baby girl wakes up is go into the kitchen and make myself a cup of coffee, but not just any coffee anymore. I drink mushroom coffee. Mushrooms offer amazing health benefits and combining them with my morning cup makes the perfect blend of a delicious, productive and happy day. My entire family is loving this super drink and I have a feeling you're going to love it too. Go check out Four Sigmatic Mushroom Coffee. The Four Sigmatic Coffee is developed with extremely high quality mushrooms and other superfoods free of pesticides and mycotoxins. Say goodbye to stomach burns, jitters and crashes caused by normal coffee and say hello to a boosted immune system, increased productivity, reduced stress and improved memory. Best of all, it tastes great and is quick to prepare. Just tear open the bag, mix with hot water or nut milk and enjoy. For those avoiding caffeine, their caffeine-free flavors are also delicious and offer similar benefits as the main mushroom coffee. Four Sigmatic offers everything from mushroom coffees, elixirs, hot cacaos, and matchas. With so many big projects on the go right now, I would not be the same without the adaptogen coffee mix to hack stress away first thing in the morning. This shade-grown organic coffee is blended with Tulsi and astragalus mushrooms to uplift my mood and balance my energy. Besides the health benefits, I am absolutely in love with the classic strong coffee flavor, bold fruity finish, and tiny hint of cinnamon. It's as delicious as it's healthy and beneficial. Discover the everyday magic of mushrooms for yourself with this awesome deal for From the Heart listeners only. Right now, when you head to foursigmatic.com slash yoga girl, you'll get 15% off of your entire order. That's 15% off of any order placed on Four Sigmatic's website, but you have to use my special URL, foursigmatic.com slash yoga girl. That's spelled F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C.com slash yoga girl. So this is one of the, one of the more challenging podcasts I've ever, ever recorded, interestingly enough. <sighs> But that's okay. That is what it is. But what I was saying was I had that moment of, you know, after all that time, like it was almost 48 hours after I started even um, started traveling and I sat down and I could feel myself arriving 
back. Like I could feel my soul kind of drop back into my body. And I took this breath and with the breath was like, oh my God, where have I been? Because <laughs> that's always the epiphany that comes along with coming back to the present moment. Like when we arrive back here now, it always comes along with this understanding of, oh, I was just somewhere else. Right? Do you guys get that as well? So with me, it's, it's specifically um, tangible right after those moments of extreme challenge, right? After being completely, you know, full of anxiety or stressed or, or panic or whatever, like a trip like this, which was just for so long, all of that. And then I dropped back and I could kind of look around and then I see everything is like rosy and beautiful. And I hadn't even, the whole day, I hadn't even appreciated the fact that I was in Spain because I was still riding on this wavelength of just kind of panic and stress, right? And it took me all day <laughs> to even settle back. And it required three hours of moving my body, three hours of, of just being with my body and breathing and, and really listening to what Jonas is telling me to do. And it's all new movement for me. So it's just way out of my comfort zone and, and all of this. And then sitting down and then looking at the sky and realizing, I'm like, oh my God, here I am. <laughs> like Ramdas says, here we all are. And this that moment for me was, with, came with the realization of, okay, where the hell have I been <laughs> for the past 40 something hours? I haven't been here at all. So I look back at this trip, you know, and even in those moments of just, you know, because there were like little breaks of all the, of all the panic and all the intense screaming and crying and all this stuff. There were pauses in between. There were moments where like, you know, she watched a little bit of the Lion King. Um, you know, she had 40 minutes when she slept at the beginning of the plane. There were moments that were kind of kind of okay in the midst of this nightmare. Um, but even in those moments, I was completely unable to, to feel grateful for them or to be like, okay, if I was just here now, I would be in a moment of peace because right now everything is peaceful. Maybe five minutes ago, it was total panic and insanity, but now the baby is sleeping and who knows, she might sleep for 10 hours. She might wake up in 30 seconds. There's no way for me to know that. But if I live in the idea of, oh my God, she's going to wake up. She's going to wake up. Oh my God. Can everybody shut the fuck up? <laughs> can they turn the goddamn lights off in this horrid plane? <laughs> like I was stressing about all those things, anticipating all the things that might go wrong in which she might wake up again. And then we start all over, right? And that was giving me so much anxiety in those moments as well. When truth is, you know, if I'm here now, if I'm actually present and I'm in my body and not in the mind worrying about what's next or, or you know, with the stress of what was before, then everything would feel okay, really, especially in those moments of calm, even in the moments of total craziness, like when the baby is, oh, she had like several moments where she's screaming so loud and with such, yeah, like she's screaming out of suffering and I'm looking in her eyes and they're just bloodshot and she's kind of looking at me like, oh, for help, you know, help. Like she's just suffering. Even in those like horrible moments, if I'm here right now and not in my mind with this idea of like, oh my God, I'm traumatizing my child because that's what I'm thinking, right? I'm like, why are we on this stupid fucking trip? And I'm going over every reason in my mind of why we shouldn't be here. We could have been home like in our bathtub right now in our perfect house where everything is quiet and we have routine and she sleeps great and you know, she's so happy and, and we're dragging her here for what? You know, and even big things like, okay, hey, my, like, my best friend is marrying Dennis's best friend. It's a pretty big occasion, <laughs> like ginormous occasion. You know, it's a big deal. But even then in that moment, I'm like, this is not worth it. None of it is worth it. Like, I'm sorry. Like, this is just, why are we here? None of it matters. 
none of it is worth this. And then I start thinking about like, it's going to get worse and worse. And I know we have so many hours left to go. So just the idea of like, oh my God, it's so bad right now. And it's just an hour in and we have like 22 hours to go of this fucking trip. You know, of course it intensifies the stress of the moment instead of it just being like, okay, like what's happening right now? I want a plane. Okay. I'm, I'm here. Like my body's here. I'm holding my baby. She's safe. I'm safe. She's really upset. She can't sleep. That's just the reality like right now. If I don't attach anything more to it than what actually is, you know, then it isn't all that bad. It still sucks to hold a shrieking, screaming baby on a, on a tiny, you know, airplane. Of course it sucks. It's always going to suck. But I think by not being there and being able to be really present in that challenging space, I'm actually making it a lot worse. Right. And also probably like she can sense that I am stressed and I'm panicking and I'm starting to get like really frantic of, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, how are we going to calm her down? How are we going to get her to sleep? And worst case scenario, like it kind of happened. <laughs> like I was thinking like worst case, OK, she doesn't sleep for the whole 24 hour trip and she screams the whole way and she's just totally panicked and we're exhausted and it's horrible. And yeah, all of that happened. And I was able to sit after that and come back to my body and just feel totally grateful to be here. Like even at the end of that, everything is okay. <laughs> Fact of the matter is, it's all okay when I'm here. And you can apply that. I mean, at least that idea, that that mindset or that that view of the idea of looking at life in that way, you can apply it to really challenging stuff too. Because I mean, in the big scheme of things, in the big scheme of things that I've gone through that are like really horrible, you know, a 24 hour, really, really bad flight with my baby. It's not going to be, you know, what I remember on my last days of, on this earth. It's not going to be what I look back at as like, oh my God, I overcame, you know, I've been through death and a lot of death and grief. And I lost my best friend and, you know, our dog passed away and I have a mom who struggles with depression and suicide and like I've, I've lost really good friends of mine, um, family members with cancer, like, you know, like I've been through stuff that was really bad, you know, like actual life stuff that totally, totally, totally was horrible. So comparing that, like, yeah, my best friend died. That was shit. <laughs> that flight I took to Spain to go to bachelorette party. <laughs> really? Like, do those two like things compare? You know, in the moment they sort of do because it is like moving through this horrible, painful thing. And it's really hard to get any sense of perspective there when you're in that total panic. But if you're able to at least begin the practice of applying this idea of presence in the challenging stuff, maybe you can apply it on the really heavy things as well. And this is something that that I was really deep in practice in whenever I was going through those heavy moments of actual heartache, right? So people would tell me like, oh, well, if, if it's all for a reason or isn't that the shittiest thing to hear? I mean, anyone who's, who's, who's lost a loved one, like it's all for a reason. And <laughs> if you're in that moment of total despair, it's like, what do you mean it's for a fucking reason? This, like my best friend died and you say it's purposeful? Like, are you saying she was supposed to die? It's a really, um, really hard thing to grasp, you know, especially when you're in that moment of total, of total pain. But if even in that space, if I was able to just be there, right? And I had a lot of those moments where actually that the pain was so overwhelming and the despair was just at such a high degree that I couldn't take it. I just, I couldn't live with it. That, that was the feeling. I just, I can't bear another second of this pain. It's like, I'm, I, I'm just, I can't take it anymore. Where I, I sort of had this surrendering happen, 
And it wasn't a conscious thing where I'm like, okay, I'm going to surrender now and I'm going to just allow all of this to be the way it is. It sort of happened on its own because I think the degree of pain was that big that I just, I had no other choice. It was like, I can't continue to live with this, you know, the, the big thought that I had that was in my head again and again and again was that I don't want her to be dead, right? That was my, like, I, I kept thinking of scenarios that just no matter how I would twist and turn it, like it would never be that way. I, I wish I would have called her five minutes before she got in the car and then maybe something would have been different or I should have texted her later, the last text I sent. Like I had all these things that I was like going over and over. Like if I would have done X, Y, Z, you know, maybe she would still be alive. Like I just wanted her to be alive. And of course it's not possible. Like she she died, she was dead. It's just, it, you can bang your head <laughs> against the wall again and again with the same longing of something if it's not possible. It's not possible. No matter how badly I want it, it's not going to change. So I had one of those moments where I was just like, oh my God, like I just, she's dead. I have to surrender to this. There's no possible other scenario than just accepting what is, you know, I can fight it and fighting it actually brings more pain, sort of how, okay, at a different degree of pain, but sort of how being on the plane with a shrieking, screaming baby, not accepting the situation, wishing I was somewhere else, wishing I hadn't gone on this trip or thinking of, oh, I shouldn't be here. or We shouldn't have done this. We should be home in our bathtub. Like the idea of should, that it should be different. It makes everything so much worse. It makes everything so, 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 so much worse. So when I had that moment of surrendering when my when my friend died, it actually it changed everything. And, you know, the pain was, of course, still there and still overwhelming, but I was able to be more present with myself in that pain. So actually, um, like the feeling I had yesterday when I just sat down on the couch outside and I saw the sky and I was like, oh my God, I'm here. I had so many of those moments, but also in that intense pain where I would just kind of almost like I stepped back and then I saw life for what it was and life, what it was, was okay. It's life without my best friend, but there's still beauty here, right? Like I'm still breathing. I can feel my heart right now. I can feel my own inhale, my own exhale. Like there's life pulsating through my body. I could look up and like there was the moon and just be blown away by like, oh my God, there's the moon like right there. Like it's unbelievable how gorgeous this moon is. And it's right there hanging over my head this whole time. And I didn't see it. You know, and, and those moments of of clarity or those moments of acceptance of of a little bit of of peace in the midst of challenge, they all came when I accepted everything for what it was. And then I would, you know, go back into this this mindset and this this thoughts of oh, I shouldn't be this way and why did this happen and how could I have changed it and, and you know and pain and, and mind stuff would come back again. But if you can learn to practice this stuff in those moments, I think oh, oh my god, I think it it, 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 it it will completely change all of our lives because at the end of the day, what if, what if that's why the universe provides us with stuff like this? And I'm making a big leap here from, from a, you know, a horrible flight with a toddler and losing someone you love. You know, of course it's a big leap to two very different scenarios, but somehow that, that anxiety and that pain and that longing to escape the present moment, it's very similar, right? It's, it's a very, it's very similar and what if the universe is constantly providing us with these challenges, with these moments where everything is just so fucking hard for us to practice this again and again and again? Okay, how can I, in this struggle, like be reminded of the fact that I'm still here, my heart still beats and not escape my body, not escape the moment and drop into mind and drop into worry and anxiety and regret. What if I could just be here now, even in that pain? And if we learn to do that, or we learn to take little leaps into the present moment and challenge, 
imagine what that would be like when everything is actually going really well. <laughs> Just imagine, you know, how much time do we waste on a, in a regular day when everything is fine? We don't really have any big problems, but the mind will find reasons to why nothing is working all the time. Like I'll have objectively really good days at home where the whole day my mind can be just completely occupied with that one thing like an, um, an employee of ours told me that was really rude or disrespectful. Like something like that. Like I had something like that happen and then all day I'm like attached to this like, oh my God, this thing that that person told me and that was so awful and so rude and why would, why would, why would she say that? And all day. And then at the end of the day, I realized like, wait, how much time did I spend today going over and over and over in my head? This thing someone said, you know, like who cares? <laughs> like in the big scheme of stuff, like who cares? Like where have I been all day? I've been stuck in this mindset of like someone disrespected me. You know, my ego's bruised. And because of that, I was so attached to that, that thing that I missed out on all these things that happened today. You know, like it was a beautiful day. The sun was shining all day. Like I have my baby around, she smiles all the time. My husband's here, like asking for my attention. And I'm not like present there because I was stuck with this story that happened that, you know, tomorrow already I had completely forgotten about and like never thought of again. So how much do we do that to ourselves over and over again, even when things are going fairly smooth? The mind will always look for reasons to tell you that right now is not good enough, right? Like you can look around right now, wherever you are in your life, listening to this podcast, listening to these words, and your mind will tell you a hundred things that should be different, right? Things that you should be improving on, things that could be a little bit better, ways that you could be a better person or more good looking or more successful or, you know, reasons why people in your surroundings should act different or they should be different toward you or, you know, your relationships should be better and people should be kinder and more accepting and not act this and that way and not talk shit and they should respect you and blah, blah, blah. It's never ending. It absolutely is never, never, never ending. And we ultimately, I think maybe we only have one choice. Maybe the choice is just live life in that mindset where you're absorbed in thought, which always will mean that you're absorbed in drama all the time. You know, that's one way. And you might find little moments of peace in the in-between, but it's going to be like endless strings of drama all the time. And it might be superficial drama, like, yeah, someone said something disrespectful to you. It might be really deep drama, like someone dies, but it's it's drama, right? It's 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 drama and how we attach to those things in our mind makes all the difference as to how how we feel in that moment and how our life plays out. The other option that you have is to, to do your best to be here now, right? To in that moment when someone disrespects you at work to be like, okay, you know, how does that feel for me in my body right now? How does it resonate? Where does it sit? Does it have to overhaul my entire day? And do I have to attach all this judgment and negativity and labels or should have and should not have and, and this and that. Can I just be here now and just accept, okay, someone said something. Right, I can accept it. I can confront them or I can let it go. Like that's, those are basically the options that you have. But you don't have to allow it to, you don't have to make it take over your entire day and kind of change your mindset for the worse for the whole day just because someone said something. You can choose to come back and be here now and then be here now and then be here now. And every time you come back to that, oh, I'm here now, realize what brought you out of the moment in the first place and acknowledge that and then go back and be here now again and again and again. And this practice, at least for me, because <laughs> I'm very, very deep in this practice in my day to day. 
really in my calm day-to-day life at home. So um, in, in between stuff, like when I'm with the baby and everything is great and she's joyful and I'm so immersed here, here, here now. And then maybe my phone rings and something happens at work and I'm like, oh, and I'm pulled out of it. And then there's like a little something going on. And then I see her smiling at me and then I'm like back again, you know? And then it's also like, oh, where did I go just now? Like I was all the way over there and then I'm back. Or, you know, I'm trying to be really conscious about my self-care practice. So, you know, if I'm like taking a bath or I'm on my yoga mat or I'm meditating or I'm like on the couch cuddling with my husband, can I do that and be here now? (laughs) Can I do that and actually relax and actually surrender to what the moment is? Because even in those perfect moments, there's going to be reasons, you know, for you to to pull somewhere else and to, to go into something else or stress or to pick up your phone and dive into whatever drama of the day is happening on social media. There's always something. So to be here now, be here now. And this practice is just, it's given me this undercurrent of peace in everything. And this pain that I've felt over the past weeks has also been, it's been like an added layer to that. Because of course, it's really challenging and really tiring to be in physical pain, but it's been, it's, it's been like another dimension of, uh, I, I felt like I've been really able to surrender into the pain and to be like, okay, like I'm in pain doesn't mean that it's going to ruin my entire life because I wake up in the morning and I have physical pain. You know, I can still have a really good day. I can still be here. I can still move my body. I can still be grateful for, for all the things I have that work. I don't, I don't have to let this physical pain take over everything. So after having lived, I feel like a lot of months in this way with this undercurrent of peace, um, for me to be completely like yanked out of that <laughs> for two days, I mean, for like 40 something hours with this flight and, and not at all. Like I was really looking back at, at the whole trip that we had here. I don't think I had a single moment where I like, you know, just closed my eyes and took a deep breath. It was, it was so hard for me this whole trip was so hard and I know a reason it was so hard is because I wasn't there (laughs) I just lived in this stress you know I was just on the vibration of stress the whole time and and I just I wasn't able if I would have been able to drop into peace hell yes I would have dropped into peace but I don't think I even had that consciousness of like hey where what's going on right now how can I how can I come back home it didn't even occur to me until I sat down on the couch last night here So it's just, it's a really big eye-opening thing of like, oh, I don't want to live that way. (laughs) I really don't want to live that way. So my options are either, do I orchestrate my life in a way that allows for more peace, right? So meaning less travel, less big things, less crazy stuff, or do I practice more being in peace in those moments of struggle? And I'm actually thinking that it's a merge of the two, you know? I could like lock myself in my house and try to create this cushioned life and just practice peace in a peaceful environment. I don't think it's going to help me grow all that much. It's important to do that and that we practice it when things are good because it sets us up for success when things are not. But I think it's actually, it's really a merge of both. So allowing the current of life to take you on these high highs and low lows and, and go with it, you know, and, and immerse yourself in the challenging stuff too and go into the stress when it's there and then come back right? It's, it's that. And then also setting ourselves up for success, right? Making sure that we have a good balance between work and play and that we rest and we take care of ourselves and we practice self-care and, and all of these things merge into one. And also, you know, when things don't go our way and we have like this insane thing, you know, two days happen like I have, not attached to that either. And just be like, okay, that was, and now I'm here. <laughs> so I let that go. <sighs> 
Isn't it beautiful life? This constant learning, 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 learning. I I feel really grateful that I'm presented with so many, so many ways to learn, right? So many new ways. And there's if there's one thing that has taught me, if two things that have taught me the most about life, it's death and parenthood. Really, really, really. It's birth and, and life. It's death. Death and birth all wrapped into one. So it's these two big contrasts and somehow we make our space and we live right in the middle of the two. So if you are going through something right now that is challenging, whether it's on this, you know, very deep level of, of, of despair and grief and, and intense pain, or if it's, yeah, like normal day-to-day parenthood stuff, or if it's like work challenges or any, wherever you are on the spectrum of challenge, be here now be here in this, like really sit down and just acknowledge the space you're in and try to be present in the challenge and see what's the learning, right? How can I make this a practice, a practice of returning and coming back home again and again and again, and not let my mind take me so far into drama that I completely lose sight of why I'm here and of the learning that's taking place right here, right now. Because if you're going through something, it means you're going somewhere, right? And isn't that the most beautiful thing? Thank you so much for tuning in with me today. Um, as always, I'm so, so grateful, so grateful to be able to share with you every single week. I will see you next Friday. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to listen and subscribe to other great episodes of From the Heart Conversations with Yoga Girl. You can find all of them on rachelbraithen.com, on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or anywhere you normally get your podcasts. Don't forget to leave a review while you are there. Thanks to the folks at Cadence 13 for their production work. And of course, thanks to my sponsors, Foley, Felix Gray, Audible, and Four Sigmatic. Please support them the way they support this podcast. I'll see you next week.